got it back here. I did Here's restart my fucking computer before you before we started, Mark. So hopefully Thanks. you uh, won't have my fucking track slip sliding all over the place. Well, there's a first time for everything, and I will yeah. take it. So <laughs> that's cool. You'll take my first time. Is that what you're saying? Yes. <laughs> Uh, that's recorded, so that's you know, <laughs> just out there. So the thing now, that's the thing that's on the record. Yeah, I'm not sure how comfortable yeah. I am with that, but you know, <laughs> what are you gonna do? I don't know. You, you gotta I don't do, know what you the audition is doing in terms of recording, but we'll just see how it turns out. I guess I haven't used my backup in ages, so it's mystery. Whatever. Yeah, all right, shall we get going? Welcome to Dance Robot Dance, episode 177, a show where we bitch and moan and gripe and celebrate all things geeky, nerdy, etc. So I am joined by our usual cast of misfits. Say hello, Mark from Milton, Ontario. I like that I get misfits first. That's good. Thank you. Hello, everybody. (laughs) And another misfit. I was, it's, you know, general misfits here. Uh, Tim from Atlanta, Georgia. Yeah, I fit that misfit description as well. Hi, folks. And 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 me. I'm Paul. I'm in Korea. I'm in Seoul. Hi. Good morning. Dying um, apparently. That just put that uh, that um, Island of Misfit toy song from Rudolph in my head. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of which, you know what I realized this week is that Mark's gonna get away without a fucking Christmas episode this year. So Merry Christmas, you fucking Grinch. Yeah. <laughs> I will fucking take it because because our topic is basically decided for us next week. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Wait, what's that? What are we doing next That's week? Uh, Watchmen, right? Oh, okay, yeah. The week after that, because no, I, or you guys no, are going to do we'll, Watchmen. We'll, no, this next week will fucking be Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say I thought we were doing Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to be in Thailand doing Thailand things the mm. next week. So well, maybe just Mark and I will have to. Yeah. Watch Star Wars. Well, well, yeah, we'll have to we'll have to talk, talk something out, anyways, because because I I need Paul, I need you to be with me for Star Wars because Mark won't get excited about it with me. Okay, no, that's fair. Really. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about it. I'll be like at best, kind of like meh, and especially yeah. like we don't know how it's going to be yet, right? So like I was yeah. not a big fan of Last Jedi. I have faith. So. I assume this one's going to be better, but I'm not holding my goddamn breath. We shall see. Yeah. So there's there's a, quite a bit of news to get through. There's a big chunk of video game news, lots of yeah. trailers. So let's let's get started. First, we got our first trailer for Wonder Woman 1984, and it's giving me it's giving me Stranger Things. It's giving me Thor Ragnarok. It's giving me uh, Olivia Newton John. It's giving me all <laughs> kinds of things. I really enjoyed the trailer personally. I thought that it was it looks really fun, and it's not that I wasn't already sold on this movie. Like I loved the first Wonder Woman movie, so I'm obviously going to see this opening night. But what'd you guys think? Yeah, I had a lot of fun with the trailer. I mean, I'm fucking in the bag for DC movies in general. Apparently, I mean, I I went and saw Joker. And fucking like it but but yeah i mean i'll take as much fucking gal gadot as wonder woman as you want to give me because she looked fucking badass in this trailer so yeah that is basically the only thing saving this that trailer for me is that gal gadot's in it the trailer did not work for me particularly a little too i think the the thor ragnarok-esque of it like it's not a vibe i think works for will work for wonder woman but then again i didn't wasn't sure if it would work for thor so who knows i just was kind of like i mean they're really hitting this 80 shit real hard yeah. and i'm not sure how i'm feeling about it so yeah yeah it's very bright and colorful and yeah they're, they're definitely going going for that retro yeah that retro vibe and i don't know I, i'm there for it i'm like it's fine but you know i just i'm kind of like i'm not sure i'm sold on Kristen wig as cheetah just yet so we'll have to see where that goes 
Yeah, and we didn't see her in, like, Cheetah garb. She might not even become the Cheetah until the next movie or at the end of this movie or who knows what's going on. We'll see how it goes. I've also, like, I've seen Kristen Wiig in some dramatic roles, like the Skeleton Twins, and she's really good. Like, I think she's capable of, I don't know if she's capable of being, like, sinister like Cheetah is, because Cheetah's pretty, like, vicious but i guess we'll see we'll we'll have to wait and see the i I did kind of get like fucking jamie fox in amazing spider-man 2 vibes off of Kristen wig in that trailer where they're playing yeah they're kind of playing her like you know this like bumbling fucking nerd kind of thing which like that i'm done with that stereotype in this day and age she can do yeah but like i do i need that anymore like yeah exactly i am sold as with uh, pedro pascal playing max lord he seems to have that like slimy smarmy kind of thing down so i'm there for that part of it Mm -hmm. so yeah absolutely looks like it's gonna be fun i'm like i'm excited to see it let's see another trailer that we got this week was for the first trailer for free guy which was the ryan reynolds where he plays an npc in an online grand theft auto-esque world and the trailer looks like fun i guess but i don't know yeah yeah wait for streaming kind of movie yeah me too i did not even bother to watch the trailer yeah like i'm sure i'll watch it I did because I heard a lot about it this week. Like it was trending and stuff all over the place. So I took a look at it. It looks funny. Like I love Ryan Reynolds doing whatever Ryan Reynolds is doing. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's not like I'm going to rush out and see this yeah. theaters kind of movie. Can I just say that maybe Ryan Reynolds is a little too one note to be starring in this many films? Or maybe he's just like striking while the iron is hot yeah. and getting as many paychecks as he can. You're I, hitting the fucking nail on the head, I think, right now. Yeah, because it's... Where that's going. Yeah, because I think that... God, man, it feels like every single role he's been in is just Deadpool. Or yeah, like yeah. Deadpool with a, with a twist on it. Like, yeah. Detective Pikachu was Deadpool light. It was even like, you didn't even see his face until the end of the movie. Like, I don't know. Don't get me wrong. I like Ryan Reynolds as much as anybody else, but I'm just kind of like getting tired of the shtick a little bit. I would rather they just kind of like leave the shtick alone and just let him do Deadpool movies, Mm. I guess. Like, and, and fucking put him in the MCU proper. Yeah. Yeah. So that he can be in like every, he can have like his little shitty cameos in like every fucking Marvel movie. Yeah. I'm wondering how long that's going to last. Like, how annoying that'll be eventually where like he just pops up constantly, like Stan Lee, just not as endearing, I guess. I mean, I love, don't get me wrong. I love just does some fourth wall shit. And (laughs) yeah, like, do I really need Deadpool doing a fourth wall bit in like every Marvel movie? Not really. You know, like if he pops up in Thor, then yeah, it'll make sense because Taika and stuff. But like, do I want, him well, actually the only other one where I could think it would work where it wouldn't Ant-Man. drive me nuts was uh no I was gonna say Doctor Strange. Yeah. Like because of the multiverse stuff where he's just plopping around like that. But even then I don't want that in that that movie looks like it's gonna be a horror movie. I don't need that dead yeah, like, yeah. tone shift either, right? So yeah. who knows? Speaking of the multiverse, uh we got some promo pictures of WandaVision, or at least one promo picture of WandaVision where they were full v- Dick Van Dyke show I Love Lucy, black yeah. and white. Leave it to Beaver. Yeah, very that. And they were talking about how the Scarlet Witch is going to be playing a huge role in Phase 4, which I'm really excited about. Although I am very, very worried that they're going to go down the road of Avengers Disassembled and uh, House of M, which I really don't want for Wanda at all. But we'll see how it goes. The promo picture made me really excited for WandaVision as a whole, Um, especially since we also got the news that officially Marvel TV is dead. 
So, which we coming. Yeah, well, I mean, we kind of knew that one was going to happen. Yeah, I actually at this point, I'm so like just fucking in dire need of them to start putting <laughs> those Marvel shows on after having suffered through a bunch of DC TV this week. Um, <laughs> I need something like I'm hoping Watchmen picks up because the first couple episodes are very like let's establish the world kind of thing. I'm very in though, so it was very interesting. But I'm concerned that the only TV they seem to be able to do properly is the one that they basically got HBO managing whole hog for them. And not, there's not a lot of DC involvement, it seems like, on that show. Yeah. So, And uh, other good news is that total piece of shit Isaac Perlmuter is not going to be part of any of the Marvel TV stuff going forward. So that's great. He's a piece of shit. Yep. Fuck that guy. Yeah. Let's see. What else have we got here? Uh, lots of stuff. Oh, uh, video game news. The new Xbox has been announced. Xbox Series X is the new name for the new Xbox, which is a terrible name, in my opinion. It's a bad name. I am flabbergasted by the naming. Like, I love my Xbox, but the naming they've chosen for the last two generations is just fucking dumb. Like, really dumb. So, (laughs) curious about how the box works and stuff. Like, I want to see it. But, like, Series X? Like, that's going to cause some real Wii U-esque confusion. You know what I mean? Like, is is it different than an Xbox One X? Like, what is it? I don't understand. Like, they're going to have to really, like get into the marketing and like make sure people understand what this fucking yeah. thing is. Cause that name's not going to help anything yeah. at all. So. The box looks kind of pretty. I do like the box. It does, but it's not going to fit in anybody's fucking entertainment center. Yeah. It's it, you can run vertical or horizontal. So like you can go mm. either way. It's just, they have it designed for the tower. It's still real chunky though, right? Yeah. Like it is a chunky it, boy. Like, even, even sideways. Yeah. It, it is, it is a fucking chunk of a system. Like yeah. even sideways, it's going to have trouble fitting into like, you know, a slot that like a Blu-ray player or a fucking receiver or some yeah. shit like that is going to be stuck into, which I think might be fucking by design. I think they want this to be fucking like set piece. They, they want you to have to put this fucking thing out so the people can see it. Yeah. It's a foot tall and like uh, half a foot by half a foot, basically, is like what the dimensions are mm-hmm. on it. So it's a, it's a, looks like a fucking Mac Pro, is what it looks like. It does look like a square Mac Pro, like the old Mac Pro yeah. before they refixed it back into a tower, like a proper tower, yeah. as it is again yeah. now. When it was the circle or cylinder or whatever. It we was. call it the trash can in the industry, <laughs> but yeah, you can call it whatever you want. It's not the best <laughs> computer. I've worked on a couple of those Mac Pros and they are like out of the box, they were great because they were super powerful. But they were the least upgradable machine yeah. in the history of machines that should have been made super upgradable because it's a fucking pro level Mac. Three part motherboard div- divisions Ugh. was I was like, why? Why did you do this? Why did yeah. you do that? Yeah, it's fucking. It was yeah. not a good idea. Uh, so, well, um, I'm hoping this one looks like it's a little bit more of a st- standard form factor based on the square and stuff. So we'll have to see once it gets broken down how it works. But I do, like I said, I do like the form factor. Mm-hmm. I think it looks good. It doesn't bother me because my entertainment unit is basically a TV racked on a wall with a big table in front of it because I'm used to having these video game consoles be ridiculous shapes and sizes and needing to be able to put a switch on top of it that I can slot in like a Super Nintendo cartridge constantly and blah, 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 blah. But that's necessary. Like the switch being a convertible fucking (laughs) uh, system, you need to be able to do that. With this, this was definitely a fucking choice that they made because they want this to be like a fucking, you know, they want it, exactly, they want it to be a centerpiece. They want it, you know, people to see that there that you have the Xbox. And so they feel like they should fucking have one too. Yeah. It'll probably glow green up the top grill too. Uh, I've seen some some key art that has that function in there. And I'm like, oh, that's going to be, I don't want that green cast on my goddamn screen all the time. I need to be able yeah. to turn that off. So, because yeah. it shoots straight up right under my TV. No, that's not mm-hmm. where I want that. I already have bias light back there, goddamn it, for a reason. 
So yeah, I I was perfectly happy with the one X's form factor, like that little VCR ish kind of box with the one white light on it. Mm -hmm. Perfect. Call it a day, boys. Yeah. But. I don't know. I like, I think it looks neat. So well, yeah. there you go. And if it's just basically going to be like PC for people who don't want PCs, like that's, that's that, all a console that, is yeah, now. Pretty anyway. much. And I, I don't think you're going to see anything different. Like they're talking about how different the two new boxes are going to be. And people are like, they're going to be basically identical. I think, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? It's going to be just what, what UI do you prefer? Are you a Sony guy? Or are you a, like, are you embedded in the Microsoft yeah. ecosystem? Yeah, exactly. What, where do you have all your games purchased already? already kind of? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where, where does you, yeah? What yeah. what backwards compatibility do you actually care about? And having been and then again, yeah, there's generations of Sony. Yeah. There's guys like me who are just like, yeah, you're a Sony guy, and like I'm both really. So like I'm kind of like on board yeah. for either. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, overall. and I'm the Nintendo guy on the other side of the fence with the fucking bowl of popcorn. Yeah. Hey, we have good times over here, though. You know, like <laughs> we have we have fun getting to talk yeah. about all this stuff. So Let's see for next. Oh, surprising! Absolutely nobody. They announced a remake for Resident Evil Three in the style of Resident Evil Two remake, which was for me a no brainer. I'm really really excited yeah. about because Resident Evil Three is like a weird, the weird three that should not have been the three where Code Veronica was actually the true sequel to. Resident Evil 2, but this is the one that stars Jill Valentine, where she's getting hunted down by Nemesis through the while Resident Evil 2 is happening. And uh, it's uh, like yeah. kind of one of my favorites in the series because of that. It's just kind of like all these things, while things are changing in Resident Evil 2, things are happening on Jill's side and they actually affect each other, which I thought was kind of neat. So uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. It looks the trailer looked real nice. I am uh, I'm on board because I liked Resident Evil 2 remake, and I'm assuming this update will play similarly. And I had a really mm -hmm. good time with that. I'm not a I, I'm not as big a fan of Resident Evil 3 yeah. as you seem to be. I liked 2 and Code Veronica much more. Oh yeah, than I ever liked 3. Yeah, like the feeling that it is like Resident Evil 2.5 is very apparent while you're playing it because it doesn't have that the two different storylines like the A B A B thing that they do with the original RE2, RE2 yeah. and Code Veronica. It only has Jill, and then you get to play as Carlos for a little while. But I, we, I love Jill Valentine. She's one of my favorites. So Yeah, the internet was very, uh, you know, commenty about her new outfit. Uh, oh, heaven like for a fan that she'd not wear a tube top while running away from zombies. Jesus Christ. And a miniskirt. Oh, yeah. I fucking hate the internet sometimes. I'm still here, listeners. I just don't care about Resident Evil. We'll talk about some DC stuff that Tim cares about in a second, I'm sure. In a second, but there's just a little bit more video game news for news that absolutely only I care about. Uh, there was a Square Enix announcement, like a big Square Enix announcement, where they announced DLC for Kingdom Hearts 3, which I played through and beat and found very charming. Uh, I wish they had added more Disney stuff, personally, but like it was still pretty good in the nonsensical bullshit that is Kingdom Hearts 3 or Kingdom Hearts in general. So they've announced that, and they've announced the new Bravely Default game, which was a series that started on the 3DS, which is coming to Switch. And so this is Bravely Default 2, but they already had a Bravely Default 2 called Bravely Second, so this is more naming fuckery that I don't understand. No, Japanese games never have that. Video, no, never. Video games in general don't have that anymore, Tip Paul, Tim or Paul, right. honestly. <laughs> Honest, honestly. What was God of War 4 called? You know, like that was just, <laughs> I, sh sh I, I don't want to talk about it. My head's going to collapse in. It's like the, the <laughs> when, fi when Final Fantasy VI originally came over to the Super Nintendo, it was Final Fantasy III. And like the Final Fantasy naming 
like system has never never recovered. Never never recovered. (laughs) So there we go. Yeah. When Final Fantasy versus thirteen became Final Fantasy fifteen, we all just just collectively. I remember when that changed. I remember like reading the Kotaku article and being like, I don't know what that means, but (laughs) cool. Trust me. Just why? Yeah, <laughs> the people who had been following it for year, literally six years, while it was Final Fantasy versus thirteen, and it changed to fifteen. It was just kind of collective, huh? huh. Like, yeah. Yeah. Huh. okay, that was very much. Uh, I guess that sounds about right <laughs> yeah, for yeah. what you get out of Square most of the time these days. So there's that. Yeah, but yeah, I'm I'm excited for new. It's a job heavy ro- Japanese role playing game, so you guys will never play it. Fuck and probably no. not even watch the trailer. Nope. There you go. Nope. At least we're on the same page there. <laughs> yeah, Wait, yeah there, there is gaming news that we have to mention because it's one of Christy, our former co-host, for those of you that might have joined us, joined uh, us somewhat recently. One of Christy's favorite games, The Wolf Among Us, the Telltale game uh, based on fables, comic book fables. Uh, it finally got its second season announced because another company picked up that series and is promoting it now that Telltale is defunct. So... I'm sure Christy will be happy about that if she ever actually listens to this. I did share it in our chat, but I don't think she saw it yet. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. Sometimes she pops in. Sometimes she pops in and looks. Sometimes she pops in and doesn't look. So we don't know. She's like a benevolent spirit watching over us. She's our ghost of Christmas past. Benevolent. Wait, I don't understand any of that word when it comes to Christmas. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Her malicious spirit. Yeah, we also see like malicious (laughs) malicious trickster ghosts. Yeah, yeah, that's about right. There's like DC comic book news that I'm actually excited for because Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch like released. Is it the first issue of Batman's Grave that got released? Third. We're in the third issue now. Yeah. Are we, yeah. Okay, I didn't even know about this. Honestly, I was like on the podcast. I I must have missed it four times. Apparently. I think Paul was on because I think it was on that two man uh, comic book episode that you and I did a couple well, months back. We were talking about like shit we were excited about, and that was one. Yeah, that makes sense. I would you have been what? very excited about Ellison Hitch doing a comic book. Uh, yeah, fucking Batman. Batman comic, yeah. So. yeah, yeah. So. I I am rising out of my like stupor to just say yay, and I'm actually going to read a Batman comic. And I know <laughs> yeah. I should read the Tom King comics. I know that they are. Uh, this is going to be a lot more will... digestible, right? It's 12 yeah, issues. Yeah. So. Well, it is Warren Ellis, so let's not yeah. make problems. <laughs> <with me. laughs> yeah, that's fair. So, like, because this shit can get fucking weird sometimes. So, we'll yeah. see how this goes. Yeah. Let's see. Do I have anything else? I'm sure I do, but I lost all my tabs. Again, apologies. You missed the big trailer that we have to talk about. Ghostbusters Afterlife. Oh, Ghostbusters. Uh, It's because (laughs) I didn't... Okay, Ghostbusters Afterlife trailer came out, and I was... uh, Like, I just shrugged at it, man. (laughs) I don't... Like, the feeling that it gave me was, like... You know, th- like, I don't know what it is about, like, every trailer that has this kind of legacy vibe giving me, like, beginning of a Steven Spielberg movie feeling that I just, like, I am I know that it is a good formula. I just, I'm so burnt out on the feeling of it that I was just kind of like, oh, okay, I guess, like, at least I had more of a reaction to Ghostbusters 2016. Not that it was a particularly good or bad reaction, it, it just more reaction yeah. to it and actually because i don't know it, it just looks kind of bland yeah the best part was like um paul, paul red doing paul his, all over it <laughs> yeah yeah he was doing his shtick which is like that goofy kind of I, yeah. constantly positive paul rudd vibe that he does for ant-man too so i'm like 
okay. I am always happy for more Ghostbusters. I'm sure. Yeah. In whatever form. I, I had a pretty positive reaction. I'm not 100% sold on this yet. I'd say I'm like 75% sold. Uh, there's there's still some hesitation. I mean, they're obviously playing the original cast or the original crew like close yeah. to the chest because they didn't show any of them in this movie. We did see fucking like Baby Egon, though, which I'm pretty pumped for. Uh, that like little 13 year old uh, granddaughter of Egon. I thought, I think that's, I'm here for that part yeah. at least. I mean, yes, it's fucking massive Stranger Things yeah. vibes. Including but... Finn Wolfhard, who I am just. <laughs> Including Finn Wolfhard. I'm fuck Yeah. After watching The Goldfinch, I'm like, go away, Finn Wolfhard. I don't need you. <laughs> and it, chapter two. Uh enough <laughs> but, enough anyway yeah but i mean there's there's some awesome like nostalgia bomb shit in there and like the fucking ecto like driving around with that gunner chair coming up from the side like there's some fun fucking shit in there yeah yeah so, yeah i mean i it wasn't like a total like, it wasn't like i was repulsed by it i was yeah. just like strongly indifferent to it like but yeah the hearing the ecto siren was the one thing that i was all like oh okay that was fine but everything else was just kind of like yeah i am reserving judgment for the actual non-teaser trail i don't know how that works anymore yeah so yeah we'll see we'll see how it goes there was a trailer for uh, we talk about the me too movement a lot on this show and uh, there was a a trailer for uh, a new carrie mulligan film called promising young woman where she pretends to be drunk at clubs and lures nice guys back to her house to i don't know perform surgery on them because she like got kicked out of her doctorate program looks like a fun movie wait so this is this is like hard candy for 2019 yeah exactly (laughs) which i i'm down for like let's let's Mm. have some of that sure i love carrie mulligan i don't know if you guys have a strong feeling towards carrie mulligan or not but i i kind of love her so i'm indifferent it's got what's his name uh mclovin is in it and oh and Man, I've been hearing like there's super bad is having like a moment right now. I've, so many people have like mentioned super bad around me and like McLovin and shit like that. I don't know why. It's just one of those weird confluency kind of things that's happening right yeah. now with super bad in my world. It looks really good though. It's also got Adam Brody, who you know yeah. is was from the OC. It's got a, oh, and Allison Brie is in it. There you go. There's your selling point for you oh. boys. All right, there we go. Yeah, I was say, I'm in. <laughs> Playing the old classmate who doesn't believe that Carrie Mulligan got sexually assaulted. So yay. Um, know, maybe not. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Maybe not, but we'll see. Anyway, it's opening in April, and it looks really good. Also, watch Allison Brie, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that is that all that I have. I'm sure there's probably more, but I'm there are a couple. Uh, oh, Orlando Jones oh, getting shit. fired from American Gods. And this uh, could be a bit. <laughs> yeah, I am. So is he? Wait, sorry, I missed that, Tim. You're kind of cutting it out. Was you no? He's, he's very much that? not happy about that. <laughs> Yeah, he recorded a like little video that went out on Twitter. I think. Yeah, he was real critical of of the showrunners and the yeah producers and everything. Current showrunners, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it, yeah. this this it's, show has yeah. been a troubled production, yeah, very yeah. much so, yeah. and like that is very reflective in the quality of the television program. Which man, season two went off the rails, and then like I don't know. I never even looked at season two because like nobody talked about it. Like it just kind of came and went. And I remember Tim vaguely mentioning he was going to start watching it. And then I never heard anything again. I watched it. It was pretty and it was, it was good. It wasn't as good as the first season. I I mean, I'll, I'll keep watching the show. I'm invested enough in it that I'll continue watching it. But yeah, well the fucking, the, the video, if you guys haven't watched it is 
Like he basically straight up says that like there's a bunch of fucking like Ivy League educated white boys running the show and they didn't want like Mr. Nancy's like angry black dude fucking like shit on the show anymore, pretty much. What the fuck? What? what? Like the main thrust of the fucking yeah. narrative is that I mean all right. for oh, Nancy you know. Boys, like that yeah. oh, and that book is so good. I don't know. Oh yeah. that oof fucking no <laughs> like that's that's not okay i mean i obviously i bailed off that fucking show like 300 years ago so like good riddance i guess <laughs> yeah. yeah and i mean mr nancy was one of the best parts of the of both of the first two seasons and have him gone is going to leave a what? gaping fucking the, hole in what? that show Has so you commented on this like he's not really doing anything with this show uh, right? i haven't like, seen so no I mean that was just today as well, so I don't know if Neil Gaiman has uh, He's said pretty, anything like, Twitter yet. active. Like I, I follow him on Twitter. Yeah, uh, I don't follow Orlando Jones. So. I'm looking on his Twitter right now, and he hasn't posted anything for the last couple yeah, of days. He got executive producer credit on that. He probably is like, "Fuck, I can't see a goddamn thing right oh, now." Wait. So, oh, maybe he has. Well, he's posted shit today, like as of like 15 minutes ago, but it wasn't. It was about the Hallmark Channel pulling some ads that featured like wedding planning with lesbian brides, and then people got all upset because oh my god gay people yeah we are terrifying you know um, yeah. <laughs> we are yeah there's like uh actually i think that's just america's problem i think america needs to just fucking shut it down like just you need to calm down just calm down yeah everybody yeah. calm down yeah i don't disagree the other thing that kind of blew up was that et commercial for was it fucking I can't even remember what it was for. What was it for? I think it was for Xfinity, actually. Uh, but it, it that thing fucking pulled on the heartstrings massively, like seeing E.T. and Elliot, you know, reconnect after all those years and E.T. like having his own family and then E.T. making friends with Elliot's kids and everything like that thing was emotionally manipulative, but I was OK with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a the it's a, tis the season for emotional m- manipulation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So there you go. It's yeah. all good. Run, Runaway season three came out like two days ago. I've not watched it yet. I will watch it eventually. But I mean, it's the last season and it's already yeah. canceled. Elis- and so, Elizabeth yeah. Hurley. Yeah, I do kind of want to watch it just for Elizabeth Hurley because like her camping it up yeah. is always kind of entertaining. So yeah, plus she's not exactly hard to look at. Yeah, so. I um oh there was another trailer for Stephen Moffat's Dracula series mm-hmm. which looks fucking terrible. <laughs> but that's I'm excited to watch that actually. Uh, oh, it's like, gonna be so gonna bad. Be, I know it's gonna be shit, but I'm just like I feel like I need a turgid supernatural like melodrama and my Anne Rice show has just I, I have no idea what's happening with it right so like, <laughs> gothy maudlin vampires I need them but I want my Anne Rice one more yeah but I'll take this Dracula one for three episodes I guess okay so there was a little bit just a teeny little bit of controversy because he's like well you know if uh, vampires feed on men, like if a male vampires feed on men, it's just murder. But if v- male vampires feed on women, I don't know. Like the whole concept of like what? vampirism is like that sexual connotation of like penetration. It's like we've talked. This has been talked about since vampire novels were a thing. But he's like, okay, you need to elaborate because I do not know what you're talking about right now. 
Like, I understand the penetration of vampires thing. What does this have to do with what he said? Because I don't understand what he said. He says that, like, just because a male vampire bites another male vampire doesn't mean that there's anything sexual about it. He's just <laughs> bi-homicidal, not bisexual. He and I was like, he it's very interesting that he would call that out. <laughs> why would he even say <laughs> Why would he even say that? Like, why would you just shut your fucking mouth and keep doing whatever you're doing? <laughs> because no homo, Mark. That's why. Oh, because no homo. Fine. Because Fine, whatever, man. Yeah. Anyway, so there we go. Okay, so shall we move into sad news? Because yeah, okay, Star Trek lost some people this week, and it's pretty sad. First, we'll talk about uh, Marina Sirtis's husband passed away yes. this week. Yeah, she announced she wouldn't be on. She was going to go do uh, episodes of Orville. She was scheduled to do that, and announced that she wouldn't be doing those episodes as a result of her husband passing away. So our condolences. And for Star Trek Deep Space Nine fans, Odo René Aubergenois has passed away at yeah. 79 years old. I was not okay when I was reading the the Twitter responses uh, from Nana oh, Visitor man, and Armin. Armin. Broke, uh, oh, yeah, I didn't. I I couldn't bring myself to watch those. Like I, I was seeing other people posting them, being like, "This shit broke me." I was like, "Well, I'm just gonna skip those then." Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Armin. Well, Armin and uh, Renee were like very, 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 very close. Like, yeah, like it's the two major after. alien characters on the series. Yeah, yeah. and like they had, they 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 bitched about the scripts and shit a lot, I guess, together. So like that was kind yeah. of their thing. But yeah, Renee Obergen, I think he was in a ton of stuff. Like he's part of the Batman franchise. He had a little cameo in Batman Forever. He was in Mash, the original Mash movie. He was Father Mulcahy in that. Like he had a long awesome career that also just happened to include seven seasons of the best Star Trek that's ever been produced. So. And Mark will fight you on that. And I will fucking cut you. <laughs> Says you. I, I, I did always like mm-hmm. Odo's storyline was one of the better ones on, you know, his arc was was excellent on Deep Space Nine for sure. There were some characters that were like yep. real fucking all over yeah, the place. Yeah, well, his main interest, oh, yeah. unfortunately, was uh, one of those characters. But her, I think her storyline, yeah, like, fucking Kira. Wait, but her, uh, <laughs> his main love interest, you're calling Kira his main love interest? Mm. Paul. Pork. I know. I know it was odd. Interest. Yeah. Uh, very odd couple. I love that about the. Yeah. Deep Space Nine. <laughs> My second favorite relationship on uh, Deep Space Nine is Cork yeah, sure. So that's all the news I have for today. If anyone wants to <laughs> add some time in, I, I all I had was I just wanted to talk about Xbox. I was excited about Xbox. Yeah. But I was the only one, obviously. So yeah. Well, I mean, we're in the middle of the of the Crisis on Infinite Earths crossover, but I can't say anything about it because I'm so behind on the shows. I haven't watched it yet, and Mark Mark watched a bit of it. I did. I watched all three of the episodes that have aired so far and it was cheap fun basically is what i'll describe it as because it was not good (laughs) but i was entertained throughout and brandon routh really needs another shot at a cinematic superman or a superman period like he just needs to be given the role again because man he just like carries himself properly in that suit so I was like, yeah, right. I can't, I, I'm very excited. Like, I think I'm right now I'm trying to catch up. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to catch up on shortly for a good reason, but I do want to start, get caught up on those shows so that I can f- fucking watch mm-hmm. that crossover. Yeah. The, uh, it's been fun, but like, it's not, I mean, those shows are obviously like suffering quality wise. I think they're just overexerting themselves. Like there seems like it's like, like a production team that could maybe make three shows is making seven now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it's so stretched so thin and you can kind of even feel it in the crossover. So yeah, I think there's some, there's some issues with DC TV right now. Cause whew, that Titan season also was yeah. fucking rough. <laughs> yeah. Any other news guys? Are we good? Negative. All right. Then let's move on to our geek of the week. Geek of the week. 
This is the segment of the show where we talk about the geekiest thing we did this week. So let's start with Tim this time. Tim. So with the impending release of Star Wars Rise of Skywalker, uh, I wanted to get caught up on the current uh, Star Wars animated series, Star Wars Resistance. I sort of fell off with it about like halfway through the first season um, because like what happens with all of these Star Wars animated series is like the seasons start out strong and have like a some cool tie-in or something like that to the movies. And then they get into like a bunch of filler episodes and I kind of fell off with it in some of those filler episodes. Mm -hmm. But uh, so I watched through the end of season one, which has a really strong ending because it's set in between episodes six and seven. Mm -hmm. So it's sort of following the rise of the first order uh, and the early days of the resistance. Yeah. There's some, some cool shit that happens towards the end of the first season. You get like pretty full feature of Poe Dameron and get kind of a cameo of General Organa at one point. And then the second season sort of started off pretty strong as well. So I want to get all caught up on that before Rise of Skywalker comes next week. So it's uneven. You have to be a Star Wars fan to really like it. You know, the, those more like filler episodes, I'll just kind of, put on in the background and not pay close attention to, but then sort of those big, like two part season openers and season finales, you know, I pay a little bit closer attention to, cause there is a little bit, they do build out a little more lore in there. Here's the thing about filler episodes for star Wars. Like the world is so vast with so many possibilities. Like you filler episodes can be good. Like, yeah. and some I of them are, it- yeah, and yeah. like, but for me, I was, I'm just thinking out loud here where like, you've got so many possibilities for what a filler episode could be to like have them be fall so flat. Like, I don't know, there's even in a universe that is significantly smaller, like say Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where they had some filler episodes. Some of those were some of my favorite episodes yeah, yeah. of some the shot. series. Yeah, and some of them were beer bad, Paul. So yeah, like, okay, yeah. fair, fair, fair. And- Absolutely. <laughs> And Resistance does feature the first gay characters, or openly gay characters, at least, in a Star Wars film. Even though, quote-unquote, gay, because they're like an alien couple, and we're to presume, I think, that they're both male, at least. Uh, I am getting fucking tired of that shit. Like, kind, it's kind of a cop of out, but they're voiced by Jim Rash and played the the, the, uh, dean. the dean on Community and uh, Bobby Moynihan okay. from, from SNL. Okay, <laughs> you're <laughs> so telling me. It's, yeah, it's it's pretty good. Their little back and forth is pretty good. So yeah, and I like that that's like on a, what's ostensibly like a show for maybe young adults kind of thing. So you know, Disney historically has kind of shied away from you know having uh, openly gay characters because they don't China, fuck up, you know, they're China, yeah, they're China. Chinese markets and stuff like that. But they fucking Star Wars, they don't give a shit because Star Wars doesn't play in China because like. It just yeah, the Chinese don't have a thing for uh, yeah exactly they don't have the cultural uh, history with Star Wars that the rest of the world does so I guess they figured we can get away with it here yeah and playing movies where there's like a authoritarian uh, superpower like and we're supposed to sympathize yeah. with the rebellion at this point might not be what the Chinese government is going for right now just yeah. you know in their current uh, state of affairs and they put fucking but they put all the Marvel movies out you mm. know what I mean they, they're always fighting Nazis and like weird totalitarian assholes and shit like they just defeated Thanos yeah. <laughs> so, I, don't, I guess it's not the same as like the, yeah, yeah. he's been Captain America as a state actor which he's not That's in uh, Winter Soldier, but if you spin it that way, then uh, and yeah. or Iron Man as the main protagonist, then it's really easy to be like, yeah. well, this is status quo, so you know. But mm-hmm. That's true. That's fair. Yeah. But, either way, and then yeah, and then the the main character actually the big tie-in sort of end of season one is that the main character lived on one of the 
or one of the planets in the Hosnian system, which is what Starkiller base destroys. Oh, okay. So, so that's like really pushes forward his character arc because now like he's not sure if any of his family is still alive and everything. So he's like gets pushed even farther into the resistance. So we and, finally have a yeah. reason to care about the Hosnian system because they really didn't do a great job about that in yeah. the <laughs> first one. Wait, are those those planets that blew yeah. up when the Star Killer yeah. thing attacked? Okay, yeah. that's good. I didn't know that the system had a name. It was just like, <laughs> hey, here's some random planets. We're going to blow up. We're going to show you three people that are on those planets. Feel sympathy for yeah. them. But it's like, I felt more sympathy for Alderaan because I watched Princess Leia suffer through that as opposed to just kind of watching the planets yeah. blow up. You know what I mean? Either way. But how many fucking like boring like one episode planets could you probably name from us in Star Trek, Mark? Oh, lots. <laughs> lots. Lots. <laughs> Actually, you know what? Honestly, the one episode, like one episode ones, probably not as many as you'd think. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you get okay. the odd ones where I would be able to remember because they're in like big episodes or whatever. <laughs> the, but, the conceit yeah, yeah, yeah. of the aliens on that uh, planet are completely stupid. Like yeah. the half black, half white aliens, or like the fucking. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't even actually. I don't even know what yeah. planet they're from, though. You know what I mean? Like, I know that's Charlie X. Like, I know the episode name, but I have no idea yeah. what planet they're from. And it, like, it, it's probably and it's TOS, so it's probably like. Epsilon Sigma yeah. Six or some bullshit. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. not, it's not like nothing they memorable. Names. Yeah, they gave them like Star. <laughs> the Trek only stuff, one so. I remember from yeah. the original series is uh, Anyana Six is the Horda because those are the meatball monsters, and I will never forget spaghetti and meatball monsters. Oh. Well, <laughs> I mean, there's some you remember because of like mimetic mutation, where you're like SETI Alpha Five, SETI Alpha Six, like from Space Seed yeah. and like Wrath of Khan, because they repeat it so many times, it becomes yeah. part of like yeah, your for sure, whatever. But yeah, I mean, other yeah. than that, yeah. So, Mark, what's your geek of the week this week? I met Vicky Guerrero today, which I know is not like a huge deal for everybody else, but like Vicky Guerrero is probably going to tell some people. I'm yeah. about to explain who <laughs> Vicky Guerrero is. Vicky Guerrero is a WWE superstar, a former WWE superstar. So she was the general manager of SmackDown. She's also the ex, or it's not the ex-wife, right? It's the widow of Eddie Guerrero, who was a wrestler mm-hmm. kind of in the Attitude Era kind of days. And I was a big fan of his. He wrestled in ECW back when I was going to ECW house shows in Niagara Falls. And then he moved to WCW and then was in WWE where he passed away. And like the story is that she basically, to make up for the fact that Eddie had passed away, WWE hired her to give her an income basically that she lost when Eddie like passed away. So she ended up as this like TV talent and did like a year long program on SmackDown where she was the general manager, where she worked with Toronto's Edge. So Adam Copeland, who was a Canadian WWE superstar. So I did a like a little fan art piece for her and we were selling stuff and we got to hang out and like shoot the shit about her. She's actually going to be on AEW next week. She'll be on AEW's dark YouTube show next week. And it sounds like she's going to actually be appearing on AEW regularly from now on. So we'll see. So I gave her my card so that I was like, please give this card to Kenny Omega so that I can design t-shirts and posters for fucking Omega. <laughs> she is awesome. Nice. So... That's awesome. It was a lot of fun, though. Uh, And she was just yelling. Her catchphrase is, excuse me. So, like, her bit would be to come out on stage while somebody was cutting a promo or doing something and just scream in the shrillest possible voice, excuse (laughs) me! And that would be how she would start her promos. And at first, everybody was like, she's great. Because, like, at first, everybody was like, man, she's super uncertain of herself. And she's not really that great. But her and Edge, like, decided that excuse me would be her fucking thing. And once she had that thing, she became the best heat magnet <laughs> in WWE history. Or like not maybe not the best, but one of those people who like as soon as you see them on screen, your fucking eyes roll. <laughs> and it's like they make she's just yeah. a great heel. Because she's got so. 
full. Uh, she was really um, fun. Like, she's got the hairstyle of a mega Karen. Like, she's like next level. So I, I want to see the yeah. manager. And like, she wears like the big cougar necklace and stuff like that. <laughs> like, that was her like shtick. So, it was, like, the whole bit was like her and Edge were having an affair and stuff like that. That's and, like, phenomenal. I don't know. It was, it was so a good, good bit. <laughs> it was fun. It was a lot of fun. She was very sweet. She was very nice. So, that was kind of fun. And then I got the kind of like pick her brain about working for AEW now, like having left Vince, like having left WWE and like moving over to where, cause like she's very tight with Chris Jericho, who is currently mm-hmm. AEW champion and is kind of helping run AEW. So she's going to go over there and do commentary for them because she's like obviously Eddie's family and Chris and Eddie were super tight. So bring Vicky in if she still wants to work in the industry and not work for Vince, I guess. So, yeah. so there you go. But it was a lot of fun. We had a good time at con. I sold a ton of fucking Harley Quinns today for some weird reason, but you know, whatever sells, is. man, like cheesecake, sell that cheesecake. Uh, it really is. Sell yeah. it. It's not even a cheesecake that money. shot. It's just like a shot of Margot Robbie. It's basically just like a portrait shot of Margot Robbie in, in makeup. And it's just, mm-hmm. people fucking love it. I don't what? know. So that's good. Awesome. Good times. Awesome. I also have geek of the week where I could talk about the fact that I watched fucking Titans and it was like the worst goddamn experience I've ever had. <laughs> Show, like in recent memory that is like i'm not, I'm not all the way through that season but it was don't bother. Une- don't uneven at bother. best holy shit the finale you, what i would recommend you do is just fast forward through the finale to see the most disjointed messy piece of shit tv that i've ever seen this made the worst cw episode look like endgame is basically where i'm at like Oof. it's so bad see the thing is it's still produced well it's just the writing on it just seems to have taken Awful. a shit and like the fucking fight choreography on it it's still mm. like fell, great for fell TV. right off by the middle of the season like it, the, really? the last fight yeah. with deathstroke and nightwing is the worst fight i've seen on television ever huh. and i used to watch <laughs> Zena, you know what i mean like at least Zena had character <laughs> you didn't expect much hey man i'll take lucy lawless any day of the week right. over this Titan show now. Like, I would watch, I would rewatch Xena oh, before I ever watched it. That is a bold claim, ever. sir. That is real bold. <laughs> I shit you not. I shit you not. It was so bad. Anyway. All right. Well, my Geek of the Week. Since I'm not going to be on the show next week, uh, and they're very adamant about talking about it, I get to talk about it now because I watched Watchmen all of the, the first season this just like yesterday. We binged it yesterday because i was like hey you want we watched the whole thing in one day hey what jesus that's heavy i was gonna say that well we were i was already like i've i'm so sick this week i've been like it's one of the worst colds i've had in quite some time so we had already walked like Mm -hmm. 10k just wandering around the city and when i got back home or we were both like let's just binge something and so we binged watchmen and quite the opposite of titans this was one of like the most tightly written amazing pieces of television i have seen in quite some time good because that's next on my list so <laughs> oh man the acting yeah the storytelling it's, it's super good. like the cinematography everything about it is so fucking good like props to regina king for being incredible mm-hmm. oh who's playing fucking jeremy irons yeah. fucking chewing up the scenery i haven't even seen him yet i'm only two episodes in so don't spoil shit for me um, <laughs> yeah, it's super i'm like i'm very excited to like and i'm like if you guys are both saying it's this good then i'm excited yeah. for it now so because after titans and like watching the crisis episodes i was like another dc show i was like even an hbo dc show my eyes were like you can't do this to yourself like 
not right now. Like wait till after Winter Soldier. You know what I mean? Like yeah. just wait. <laughs> so my other favorite character on the show being the returned Silk Spectre. Holy shit, she's fucking like she mean. She is bitchy, and I love yeah. her for it. So who returned? Is there actually an actress that no. returned from the movie, or is it somebody new? No, it's uh, it's the fuck. I can't remember her name, but she was on um, Legion as well. She played the the older female character on Legion uh, too. Oh yeah, Laurie Jupiter is played by Gene Smart. Gene Smart's been okay. in a lot of TV yeah. from a long for a long, long, long time. Uh, she was in yeah. Designing Women, I know the name. <laughs> which yeah. <laughs> only I would care about. Yeah. But um, yeah, no, she she's spectacular. Like the whole fucking cast is incredible, and the way yeah. that it does not shy away from building on the comic book mythology is like it's just it's very much like if you didn't read the graphic novel what the fuck are you doing go read the graphic novel i was watching with jihoon who had not read the graphic novel at all he had some questions about like the squid and trying to explain the squid (laughs) which they actually fucking did in this uh, version rather than fucking backing away from it i was actually kind of surprised by that because like i just watched i finally watched dr sleep also and i was like that movie's confusing because i can't really tell what it's a sequel to you know what I mean? So I like that Watchmen mm. has very clearly been like, we are a sequel to yeah. the yeah, comic, yeah. not the yeah. fucking Zack Snyder movie. Which I, I, I thought that, I thought Doctor Sleep was clearly a sequel to the the to Kubrick Shining. There was enough stuff in there that like harkened back to the book that I was like, yeah, okay. oh, this is I've never a little confusing. Yes, yeah, so, like I've read but I've read and watched The Shining. I mean, it's clearly like it's a Shining sequel, like a yeah. Stanley Kubrick Shining sequel. But there's enough little bits and odds and ends that kind of come from the King original novel that i was like huh okay why would they do all right it's just probably just hints but at that point i got confused as to what are we sequelizing here i'm not really sure because they're both we're obviously very temporally removed from the shining the book or yeah yeah movie so either way yeah but the stuff tangent but like uh, i'm excited to watch Watchmen now that i'm hearing you guys talk about it so so good the stuff that they do in terms of like kind of rewriting the Watchmen history, but like the stuff with hooded justice was so mm-hmm. good. Um, I, I was like blown away where they like, they didn't shy away from certain things about the hooded justice, but they rewrote his history in a way that was so amazing. And so shocking. Yeah. It just, everything that they have done to like deepen the universe has been a plus shit. It's cool. so good. So when you guys review it next week, just fucking like, Enjoy, sure just enjoy. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. So let's move on. The meat of the episode. Regurgitated mystery meats. Cable knit sweater meat. <laughs> <laughs> uh. All right. So this week we are uh, doing a review episode because I watched uh, Knives Out last week and I kind of fell in love with it. This is, it's kind of tangential to geekier. Well, murder mystery shit is pretty geeky. Like, I know it's like the basis for the formula for like 90% of TV shows these days, or it was when everything was a forensic show. No, that's still how TV works, right? Like, I... In North America, I wouldn't know because I broadcast. I think broadcast is broadcast. still basically like that, and then like the other, like the premium stuff's kind of just what we watch, <laughs> basically. Yeah. But uh, this except for the pro- CW, that's all superheroes and teen dramas, <laughs> right? Except the CW. So there. Yeah. So Knives Out is directed by Ryan Johnson, who is known. He directed for- a, a movie last year, too. Yeah, you might have heard of it called The Last Jedi. It's yeah. called The Last it's Jedi. Two years ago now. Oh, that's right. It was two. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah. 
with a f- really, really great, huge cast of actors starring our Captain America, Chris Evans, Christopher Plummer's in it, who is uh, always going to be a favorite of mine uh, from The Sound of Music. It's got Jamie Lee Curtis, who looks so much like our mother that it's like... That was starting to bother me, actually. <laughs> starting to bother <laughs> me a lot. I was like, I can't do was this like, anymore. <laughs> I just can't do this anymore. Uh, it's yeah. too similar. It's freaking me out. I need to stop. So, yeah. yeah. Don Johnson, Michael Shannon, Anna, Anna de Armas. Armas. Yeah. She yeah. was great in it. Have you mentioned... Daniel fucking like Daniel Craig. Craig. Yeah. Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig being our Poirot character. Tony Collette. Don, yeah, Tony yeah, Collette. Don, Don Johnson. Um, what's her Fuck, name? Catherine. So uh, the, the kid Lang- from Langford. He's like Captain the Nazi Langford. kid. The Nazi yeah, kid. Yeah. Fuck the Nazi kid. <laughs> the detective was a guy that I've seen before and stuff too. Yeah, the the black detective. Yeah, the black detective. Like I've definitely seen him in a bunch of stuff. Like he's yeah, been yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's a comedian, I think. Though usually, like he's pretty... fucking Frank Oz. It's nice to see him. And oh yeah, yeah that, was, that was actually nice show its face too. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Frank Oz showing up was kind of a surprise too. That was pretty. Yeah, cool. the detective was Lakeith Stanfield. Yeah, yeah. yeah he was a, he's in Atlanta. Get out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Ghetto is what I remember him from. Okay, that's what I remember him from was Ghetto. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There was yeah. a trailer for his new one on my screening of this that looks fucking crazy good. Too. Yeah. I can't remember what it's called. Now, oh, but... I don't think that. Oh, what's his name? Is that not Jordan? Uh, I don't think that's. Uh, Jordan Peele, I think, is producing that. I don't think oh, he's okay. directing it. Uh, but that's the one with, uh, with, with, uh, with Janelle Monet. Where yeah, it's like yeah. a horror movie, yeah, Antebellum. That's it. Yes, where, that's it. yeah, um, where, where, like they find themselves like getting thrown back into like slavery times, and yeah, yeah, yeah. horrifying, but also very, very interesting. So yeah, I was kind of like, I'm on board here. So, Knives Out. Quick synopsis, I guess, is a murder mystery where, except not really. A uh, patriarch of the family dies under mysterious circumstances, and everybody's a suspect. And our venerable detective Benoit Blanc uh, comes in to uh, investigate, and it starts to spiral out of control from there. Where we find out that the the nurse Marta, played by Anna de Armas, who might be from south america but we're not sure exactly which uh she, country she is from cuba but we do not know where the character is from yeah for sure that was a good running gag yeah, yeah that was that a one. really wonderful paraguay ecuador uruguay yeah, yeah. Uh, brazil. brazil yeah once we find out that she may have been responsible for the death of the patriarch the murder mystery tropes start to invert themselves and instead of trying to find out who the murderer is we're tracking the so-called murderer trying to cover her tracks and rooting for her the entire way so first of all murder mysteries guys how do you guys feel about murder mysteries in general? I want to know. I am a huge Agatha Christie fan, and I know that they are not the smartest kind of literature. They are trash literature, but I do love them a lot. So what do you guys what do you guys think about murder mysteries in general? Mark, how about you? Because I'm waiting for Tim's reaction mostly, because he's look he's looking real disappointed. <laughs> Generally speaking, like I'm on board, but it has depends on the formula that they decide to use. I tend to lean more into the Holmesian kind of Conan Doyle style of that stuff. So it's a little bit more of like pulpy adventure as opposed to uh, expositional. Like they do do that, like the Sherlock Holmes reveal kind of stuff. Like that happens, and it becomes like such a big trope about of the murder mystery. Whereas like in the Holmes stories, it's not necessarily the main thrust of the you know what I mean, the main part of it. But like overall. 
I usually like a good murder mystery or like a good mystery period. Like we were talking about my love of Chris Nolan last mm-hmm. week, and obviously Memento is very much that kind of. Yeah, it's like murder, murder mystery, mystery, like thil- kind thriller of kind of thing. A little bit more noir yeah, kind of yeah. thriller, obviously. But like, I don't mind a good like who done it as long as they make me work for who actually done it, which this movie did not. Which was kind of my big yeah. takeaway from it because I kind of knew exactly what was going on from the very <laughs> beginning, and I was like, oh, okay. But I will say. Awesome. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Uh, Tim, how about you? Murder Mysteries. This is very decidedly not my genre. <laughs> you know, it's just, it's not something that I've ever, am ever really able to get invested in. And we'll get to the reasons why later on. But yeah, I mean, part of it is I grew up, my mother is fucking super into murder mysteries. Like she fucking reads the shit at Agatha Christie. Like she has like all the fucking old Poirot shows on like the, you know, whatever the uh, masterpiece theater. Yeah. Or whatever. Yeah. Like the PBS. Yeah. yeah. Uh, on like VHS and shit like that. And so, and like, she always, she's got all like those fucking like, shitty, are there Ag- Agatha Christie or like those Christmas fucking mysteries and shit like that too. I think. How dare you call those shitty? Uh, they are trashy but not <laughs> so <laughs> so there, there's slight difference there's some like generational kickback there because like my mother would always put this shit on as i was when i was a kid and i would just be like i fucking do not care at all so yeah this is decidedly like there are some that i can tolerate but it's usually because they're like interesting period pieces and this was not that unfortunately <laughs> so like in that case like you know i can at least go back go like look at some nice set pieces and costumes and like historical settings and shit like that but i obviously didn't get anything about that because this is set in modern day so yeah yeah but that being said like the setting of the story for me like that kind of like upper class massachusetts old money vibe even though it was it was like fake old money vibe. Yeah, that was a good way he said, like, this is our like ancestral home. <laughs> and ancestral home. Like, you bought it in the yeah, 80s. You bought this in the 80s from a Pakistani like land developer. <laughs> yeah. I think what really gets me about this movie overall is like maybe the murder mystery is kind of like its own thing and like he's kind of dissecting it, this, this and that, but like some of the lines are just like it's a really nicely scripted movie like it's a funny movie to watch it was entertaining yeah. so yeah let's give a uh, general first impressions of the film mark let's start with you like what did you think of knives out overall i had a great time with it actually i was not this is not usually the kind of murder mystery that i go in for obviously like i usually like a little bit more like dark and whatever and maybe not necessarily knowing who the killer is like five seconds into the he hate the dogs hated it, so like <laughs> i knew immediately so but i had a good time i was kind of went in hesitantly liked him but i went in just kind of like sat down got my large popcorn that i had ordered as a small popcorn but the guy was new so hey what are you gonna do i got a free (laughs) large popcorn and i sat down and watched this movie and was like i'm probably gonna be entertained by this but i'm not sure and ended up just being like man i had fun Mm -hmm. because i had fun for a lot of reasons and mainly this like it revolves around like one performance and well two performances and a bunch of really fucking good lines that kind of come out of nowhere in this movie where you're just like slapped with these ridiculously like dark lines. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I'm kind of on board here. So yeah, I had a good time with it. Yeah. Good. That's my overall, overall impression. Thing. All right, Tim, how about you? What did you think overall? I didn't hate it. <laughs> I'm happy to say that, you know, speaking somewhat objectively, it's a fine example of the genre of a whodunit of a murder mystery but it's just a fucking genre that I unfortunately give virtually zero fucks about. So my mom probably loved this fucking movie, but for me, I was, yeah, I, 
don't know that it's something I'll necessarily go back to. Yeah. I don't know if I would ever rewatch it. I kind of agree with that. Like, I'm not sure if I would go back to it at this Mm -hmm. point, but I would say I will go watch if like, they're talking about doing a series of Benoit Blanc. Benoit Blanc. Of Benoit Blanc. I would go watch the shit out of every single one of those yes. movies because I am on board for this character. CSI KFC. This is my kind <laughs> yeah. of movie. I am on that one killed me too. I don't know why that one got me, but I would fucking got yeah. me. So I had a good yeah. time. I, as a big fan of the murder mystery genre, I was pre- I'm pretty much like the demographic for this film. Besides, like the the blue hairs, you're like other Agatha Christie fans. I was going to say, you're not, you're really (laughs) not, because I think like most of them would probably look more like our grandmother or, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, i.e. our mother. (laughs) But I'm a big fan of deconstructed genre, and this was a mild deconstruction of the genre, which if you are interested in like taking murder mysteries and turning them on their head, I recommend the Real Inspector Hound by Tom Stoppard, which is like a super meta play. Tom Stoppard also did Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Must Die, which are are dead. Yeah, mm. are dead. Are dead. Are dead yes. uh, Must Die is a comic. Yeah. Are dead is the, the, play. Uh, the book. Yeah, the the, fam- the famous play. Yeah. yeah, sorry. He did a really good job of taking the piss out of the ever running the mouse trap that was on Broadway for like a million years or on West End London stage for like ever. But this, as a straight up murder mystery and a slight deconstruction, was excellent. Like I really loved. The, the pacing of it, all the performances seemed spot on to me. I was on board from the get-go, like just the concept of it. And it did not disappoint me is what I'm trying to say. Because like I had high expectations and they were met pretty much. So that's, yeah. Nice. So with that, the mystery itself, we have like the black box or whatever it is, you know, like we have our, the conceit of the movie is that the, the old man, committed suicide in a locked room where the movie is very explicit about setting up its rules as most murder mysteries are like there's the squeaky staircase and the uh the older sister who can't sleep through anything yeah. and like yeah like yeah, yeah these yeah. like little bits where they give you very specific reasons the dogs that don't bark for certain yeah. people like you've got that like there's all kinds of little like things that they yeah, tell you setting up the puzzle yeah setting up the puzzle yeah. right so this can be done really poorly or really well depending on who is doing it i found it pretty entertaining because like they did a good job of establishing the characters before they set up the puzzle so seeing Jamie Lee Curtis freaking out in bed and Tony Collette being like pseudo meditating in her Gwyneth Paltrow-esque state of being, I found it to be very pretty entertaining. Yeah. So were you guys sold on the conceit of the movie early on? Like, did you think that it was a good setup? <laughs> That's kind of my main issue with mystery movies is that I can't get past those like those conceits it's just it's so fucking dear it's so goddamn precious mm-hmm. that i just i it takes me right out of it i'm like okay i have to fucking sit here and like th- like believe that all these people are just fucking caricatures of human beings and then that i'm supposed to have sympathy for any one of these people mm-hmm. and i never really can because it's just a bunch of fucking rich white folk that like I (laughs) that I have fucking like super first world problems. Like I don't even have that much fucking sympathy for Marta. Cause like she is a nurse that almost killed her goddamn patient. Yeah. Well, (laughs) except, you know, at the end when we find out, but yeah. yeah. See, my only problem with that was that like that was a little too on the nose where he's like, you're such a good nurse. You did it instinctively. I was like, yeah, 
I kind of get it because, like, I understand, like, you can see a liquid every day. Like, I know when ink's mixed properly. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I know whatever. But I'm like, to just eyeball it out of the corner of your eye, you're, you're that good. Even especially when you know the labels or, or whatever yeah, was going yeah. on. I'm like, mm, yeah, maybe a little bit too far. Yeah, we'll get to the conclusion. But uh, I wanted to uh, bring up the characters because I thought they pre- did it, like, in the interrogation scene, did a pretty good job of building up who the characters were and like why I should like, like or dislike and mistrust everybody. Yeah. Although I did have a little bit of a, the hitting the piano key (laughs) to trigger the question. It's like, "Mm, okay, wait, I I had to reserve my judgment because that was a little bit too precious by half. Yeah. Like that's a Holmesian notion though. Like that's one of the few things that really gets pulled from the Sherlock Holmes stuff is like him being kind of offhandedly, the yeah. interrogator and letting somebody else do the mm-hmm. talking while he kind of directs it surreptitiously. This is a little bit more on the nose, obviously, mm-hmm. but there are examples of this happening in like a lot of these kinds yeah. of stories. I like when they actually fucking like she freaks out and is like, "Who's this fucking yeah. guy?" Because he keeps doing the piano. Like she, they, one of them, like I think Damian Curtis, kind of fucking snaps and is like, "What the fuck? Like who is this guy?" And those scenes were edited really well because you can tell eventually that they all eventually got to that point in their interviews, right? They were like, all right, like, who the fuck is this guy in the back that's just hitting the piano? And then they cut between different people's reactions to finding out who he is and everything. Yeah. And you can see, like, they established pretty well who the more canny and intelligent people are, like, early on. Like, you can tell that Jamie Lee Curtis has a pretty good nose for, like, she reads, she knows who Benoit Blanc is, whereas uh, Michael Shannon's character is all, like, kind of clueless. Or Don Johnson. The fucking best is Tony Collette. I read a tweet yeah. about a New Yorker article. <laughs> yeah. Huh. You know what I mean? I was like, I don't know. That was just shit I ended up rolling my eyes Perfectly at. encapsulates that character for you, though. But you don't, It's all supposed yeah. to be shorthand. Like, this is a sketch of a thing. You know what I yeah. mean? So Because the, the characters in in murder mysteries tend to be those sketches. Like, this, this reminded me a lot of Murder on the Orient Express, where you know the characters by their title. Like, you have the Countess and yeah. the the American yeah. and, like, stuff like that. Like, they're, they're known by a shorthand and, like, a couple key character traits and then that that's how you kind of keep track of them like if you're if you want to solve the mystery before you get to that final chapter and Poirot does his big reveal those are the kind of notes you would jot down kind of thing so yeah they were sketches of characters and very like but I think that Tony Collette specifically is so like charming and magnetic that I was like I got her Gwyneth Paltrow vibes like in a very short time in her kind of like Especially when she's like dancing. Well, the fact that she calls it, what does she call it? It's called flam. Flam. Uh, flam. Yeah, so it's straight up flim flam. Immediately, yeah, you start thinking flim flam immediately, which was, I mean, like, that's what they want. It's all shorthand, right? Super on the nose. It's a good uh, method of, like, building up the story and the characters early on so we can slowly unraveling as we get more instances of what happens at that party. Then this is where we start to get kind of the commentary on, like, this is a murder mystery in Trump's America stuff we get introduced to marta and then we start learning a little bit more about the various politics of the characters as we learn about what's going what happens at the patriarch's 85th birthday party where he has a lot of confrontations with a lot of different family members about getting cut off from his will or cut out of the will yeah one thing i'll say that i appreciated is and that is not always the case in murder mysteries is that here every time you saw a flashback it was what actually happened even if it was only part Mm -hmm. of what happened 
because in these sorts of movies, like a lot of the time they'll dramatize one character's point of view, like a Rashomon mm-hmm. kind of thing or usual suspects or something like that. And I always find that just to be fucking obnoxious in these sorts of movies where you're supposed to be like figuring out what actually happened, not what somebody's saying what's happened. Yeah. I find that pretty cheap as well, considering like the, the whole concept of the real inspector hound is that the author has ultimate power over all of these characters and the proceedings and what we get to learn from murder mysteries. So they don't have to like make stuff up out of whole cloth. They can just offer like certain snippets of the real thing and we can be left to our own devices to figure it out. Piece it together. Yeah. And I, I agree that that was overall pretty well done. So then we get through all of the interviews and the true caper begins where we find out that Marta believes that she has accidentally poisoned her employer and then that he has left all of the money in his will and the house to her. And then she be really becomes the point of view character and the shit hits the fan pretty well. And I thought this worked incredibly well as like an inverted murder mystery and really exciting to watch. Um, what did you guys think? This is where my theory of the movie fell apart, half fell apart. I consider that I was partially right about what happened. I had a theory from about 10 minutes in that I think might have been, I might have enjoyed better as a movie, which was that Harlan orchestrated his death and the mystery surrounding it as like a denouement to his career and his books and everything. And he even says something at one point about like wanting to go out in style. Like I think he says he wants to close the book with a flourish. Yeah. And so I was thinking like, okay, he switched the bottles or something like that, somehow manipulated it such that she did, yeah. uh, or at least thought that she had misinjected him or whatever. And then he just fucking slit his throat. That's what I thought too, because I initially thought like when Benoit Blanc says like the big questions, the hole in the, the center of the mystery was that who hired him, who brought him on yeah. to solve, solve yeah, this. Exactly. I thought it was Harlan too, that he yeah, had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, that was exactly what I was thinking. And, and everything was starting to f- sort of fit in place there. And then it shifts gears. So if that was purposeful misdirection, then fucking kudos, they got me. Mm-hmm. But I sort of started viewing the rest of the movie as like, I kind of think it would have been, it would have fit more into this whole like caricature who done it world to have a, murder mystery where nobody did it mm-hmm. like where it was actually suicide and i mean it does end up being suicide here even though there is a intended killer yeah, yeah. somebody you know, an attempted killer yeah what did you think mark did you think that the twist the initial twist there are many twists in this movie but the initial twist was like worked for you or i mean in that i got to watch anna de Armas for the rest of the movie because she became the focal point character very much so it worked for me yeah he loved you love just watching that girl cry huh i I'm not going to say yes this time. <laughs> not on air. Not on air. <laughs> only, only before we start recording. Yeah, only before we start recording. <laughs> no, she's like, she's really good. Like, she just seems so like, she's, I mean, obviously she's gorgeous, but like, she just, she acted the very shit personable. You know what I mean? Like, she was killing yeah. it. So I was, I really enjoyed watching her, especially watching her react nervously to everything Daniel Craig does, yeah. which I'm like, is very telling of what's probably going to be there relationship in the next bond movie because she is now like one of the bond girls in bond 25 or whatever so yeah but i was like yeah no, I, I thought that worked like it, it was weird to have like basically like you're told who the killer is 20 minutes in like you know what the mystery is and then to have it kind of continue was like where are they going with this yeah like what are we doing here mm-hmm. yeah my only problem was at that point they'd set up 
all of them to be such pieces of shit. I'm like, wait, is this going to turn into one of those things where they all had a plan to kill him? Yeah. And they all kind of succeeded and all kind of failed at the same time because he ends up slitting his own throat. But they all had some plan to get rid of him. Yeah. That's kind of where I thought it was going yeah. more so. But then they make Chris Evans out to be such a dick bag that I'm like, yeah, he's kind of the guy. Yeah. Like, no matter what. Yeah. Well, they, so. they did try to soften his character like halfway through the movie. That scene where, in the restaurant. The scene in the restaurant where he seems to be on her side and stuff like yeah. that. And then suddenly things start to get even more complicated. Yeah, but I think that the choice to make Anna de Armas the focal point as Marta was really good because she's just so... She can feel how in over her head she is. Like, her expressions, the way that she interacts with other characters, it's just very endearing. She sells it all the way through the movie, and, like, I just really enjoyed watching her because the other characters, the family members, are such huge caricatures. Having them in the background constantly squabbling, making the background noise was an entertaining thing to watch especially since they all had their own reasonings and machinations and all the actors are doing a pretty bang up job of like selling how shitty they are even like the somewhat sympathetic ones are still really really shitty like uh catherine langford is played up as kind of her friend but still yeah like friend just a shitty yeah. white girl yeah just a shitty white girl who yeah. like will sell out her friend to, to keep her lifestyle going. So yeah. 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 I mean, I did like her performance, but I found it pretty jarring that they played her pretty straight against all these other total fucking caricatures. Like mm. that's kind of, that's a trope of the genre. Yeah. I think, more than yeah, exactly. Like, they, they generally and that, have that one character who's kind of like, that's a very real human being. He's surrounded by cartoons. Yeah. So yeah. And I guess, you know, again, it's just maybe a conceit that I have trouble making because this isn't a genre that I'm super invested in. Yeah. Yeah. Because there are a lot of weird conceits, like the concept of her not being able to lie without throwing up as part of the. Yeah, uh, that's pretty fucking dear by half. Yeah, that yeah. was a lot. <laughs> Well, it's definitely one of those, like, where I have to roll my eyes at my brother sending me to the twiest thing possible. Of, like, of course, the gorgeous put-upon Cuban girl also has this weird affliction where when she lies, she barfs in a murder mystery. I was like, yeah. all right, Paul. Like, yeah. All right, I see what you did. I see what you're doing to me. All right. Is this character, like, transplanted from a Wes Anderson movie? Yeah, I almost felt. I was like, God damn it, Paul, you basically sent me to a stealth Wes Anderson or Sofia Coppola movie. Yeah. Son of a bitch. I can picture in my head the introductory vignette where they show, and then Marta, the nurse that can't help but vomit every time she tells a lie. Yeah, yeah, And then you throw her puking in a toilet as they pan past that room kind of thing. Yeah, but you only see her butt up in the air as she's heaving. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I do like uh, the fact that when she does do it for the first time, like all three of the detectives are there like, oh shit, I didn't didn't think it was going to be literally like... (laughs) holy crap like really you can't lie you get sick immediately yeah. so yeah and the, the problem with that is that, like I, it was such a Chekhov's gun that by the time they got to that finale i'm like she's gonna lie to chris evans so that like yeah. we get to play this off right because like yeah. we have to have it, rule of threes she's only barfed twice so like we need to have that third there one. was so many Chekhov's guns the fucking prop knife that was a massive oh, yeah. Chekhov's yeah. gun yeah and like, the- they, which they like call out three times during like yeah. the well i think it's only once but like they very actively call it out too yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, and the spot of blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Harlan talking about like not knowing the difference between something or youth not being able to tell the difference between something real and something a prop while he's holding a goddamn knife. 
was like, yeah, yeah. Oh God, like fucking right on the nose, on the nose, yeah. boys, right on the nose, on the nose boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. And the the spot of blood at the beginning of the movie that we get introduced to, and is very like nonchalantly, yeah. played off as dismissed, dismissed. Yeah, well, yeah. not dismissed, but uh, like established as like I knew that you were involved, but I knew that there was something bigger. Like it gave more depth to Benoit Blanc as a character because he was even by that point was like caricature. <laughs> As someone who has lived in the South for 10 years, that accent was passable, but not great. (laughs) (laughs) No. (laughs) He took a lot of shit for an accent he did in a movie last year, too. Like, he has a hard time with American accents. And why do people fucking keep casting him as Americans? I don't know, but I think th- at this point, I think he leaned into it because of the joke. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought the accent, like, I obviously could tell it was not great either, but I was still kind of just like, man, I'm having fun watching him do this. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I, I don't know why. I was just having a good time. Yeah. Like, watching him chew the scenery. <laughs> what the fuck was up with that comically long cigar? Like, that is not <laughs> a thing that exists in real life. I saw that and I was like, wait, am I actually supposed to take this dude serious? Like, it got to the point, one point, where he was so much a caricature that I was starting to think he wasn't even actually a private investigator. He was just like some fucking actor that Harlan had hired to come in and like play this murder mystery, like this fucking like almost murder mystery dinner kind of thing with his family after yeah, his death. Yeah. yeah. That's a plot I could have seen this movie turning into also. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I totally could have seen <laughs> yeah. that at the end where like his unraveling of the entire situation was just like, this is a plan Harlan put in place and I just showed up and acted it out. Yeah and put you all through the fucking ringer because that's what the old man wanted. I'd have been like, yeah, I can see yeah, that. that. Tracks. I'm not happy about it, but like, I, I, that tracks. So. <laughs> yeah, so we get through, and we're we're weird uh, twist of fate. We're rooting for Marta to get away with the murder. Like, were you guys rooting for Marta for to get yeah. away with the murder? Absolutely. All day, every yeah, day. Yeah, so was I. I was, Again, I, I wasn't invested. I never really was rooting for anybody, I can't say. Right. I was totally sold with her getting away with everything. Like, I really wanted her to. They did a lot of good character work that made the characters a little bit more believable in a short time. Like, when Harlan and Marta are playing Go together for she administers the shots. Mm-hmm. Good, Just a good, quick, we established the way that they conceive of each other and think of each other and respect each other. I think that they had better economy of character building and successful character building than a lot of murder mysteries tend to do. Like when you see a pr- police procedural show like CSI and you get like the, the, the inevitable interrogation scene with like, of course I didn't kill her. I, I'm a club owner DJ with a drug problem. I didn't kill my girlfriend. And then he killed the girlfriend and it's like, whatever. But uh, I like the way that they, <laughs> built the characters in a like in a pretty quick fashion but we got a good sense of them like um nazi teenager yeah Fuck, that step it was like that <laughs> killed me like that can we just call out the joke yeah. now because like there's yeah. a line where they're talking about him and somebody says something like what were you doing in the bathroom and somebody and like richard line is richard says yeah yeah yeah, he like says something about probably joylessly masturbating to pictures, fucking deer corpses, pictures of dead pictures deer, of dead, deer, deer yeah. <laughs> dead deer in there. I like just spit popcorn. Like I laughed so fucking hard inappropriately at that joke because yeah. it's so dark, like so dark that I wasn't expecting it in this movie at all. <laughs> so I think that's kind of what like really saved this movie yeah. for me in a lot of ways was like unexpectedly this movie got real fucking like real. Yeah. I guess the way that the adult 
children like Linda and uh, the rest, like Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, I, they were all yeah. fighting about very adult things. Yeah. Whereas the kids were like, oh, well, how's your SJW degree going and stuff like that? Like they, the, the way that yeah. they fought seemed pretty realistic to me. And, and like you got an immediate sense of who the characters were from the way that they were sniping at each other. And I really like, yeah. yeah, I really like that about it. Like you could see that like Chris Evans hated everybody. Like he didn't obviously didn't take any sides, which made me suspicious of him just a little bit when he was being super nice to Marta. Yeah. I felt like immediately they were like, we're, we are going to use the fact that you trust this man implicitly because he has played Captain fucking America <laughs> for 10 years <laughs> to get you to buy in that he's like being a scumbag and manipulating. Yeah. Her. And I was like, I, I know they're using this because he's a piece of yeah. shit because the dogs hate him and dogs are the best judge characters <laughs> on the planet. Yeah. And they hated him. So I was like, I know he's a piece of shit. I know. Uh, so. Speaking of one-off gags, when she throws that piece of the trellis away and the dog goes, oh, like, the dog for brings it. it back. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The dog brings, yeah. I, like, I, it was an obvious joke, but it was so well executed and the timing of it was so good that like, I feel like... Like her expression. Her like, reaction. Because she doesn't really say anything, but like the reaction to it is just so fucking yeah. funny. As you're watching her, she's like, oh my God. And she's trying to be quiet. And she looks at him like, ah! Yeah. She's very good at like the physical comedy, yeah. uh, like the physical side yeah. of that. So I was like... This is and cool. where she she pretends not to hear when she's like walking over her own footprints. Like you can see how clever she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. yeah. Little character building moments like that, they're what make a good murder mystery to me. And like they had a lot of those in this movie. Yeah. And going back to like, yes, some of these characters were only characters that will work within like this, like two or three year time frame, right? So like in that way, I was like, okay, this is a suitable update of this genre for 2019. Like they played on the immigration stuff. They played on the fucking Gwyneth Paltrow goop bullshit. They played on like the alt-right proud boy and the SJW daughter and everything. Mm -hmm. So like, yeah, that worked for me. But then it's also the double-edged sword because the only thing that ever really gets me invested in a mystery or whodunit is period shit. Not like mm. I can go on the internet and see any of these fucking people on my friends list, probably like yeah. with possibly the exception of the proud boy. Yeah. We were, uh, Mark mentioned Gosford park earlier in our chat um, as an example <laughs> of what, why he was trepidatious about me recommending this movie. I love Gosford yeah. park and I watched that movie for almost exclusively Maggie Smith, but I love, you love, I love, I love period pieces right? and I love murder mystery. So like this, that was, that yeah. is so my bag. Um, I get, I get mm -hmm. why people shit on that movie. Just long, just long, you know, like very long. And like a lot of English accents that are like nigh indecipherable. Yeah. And like just really long. <laughs> and just basically. long. And long. It's one of those like it's fucking long. You know? Yeah. And it's probably not. It's probably like an hour and 45 minutes. But like, yeah, it does not feel like an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think that in terms of like Oscar time, murder mystery like gosford park is the obvious like parallel yeah you know it's been like 15 years since that movie came oh, almost 20 years since that movie came out which makes me feel real fucking old has it really? yeah it was 2001 when gosford park came out oh my yeah. god yeah so let's not talk about that um we have seen those memes going around being like yeah that uh so weird that that t the year 2000 is is 20 years ago because 1980 is also 20 years ago, 20 years ago. yeah that was good yeah <laughs> so that's my existence yeah. right now is basically that like i was like wait what yeah. Yeah. But I think that Gosford Park is languid and kind of loves its own bullshit a lot. Oh, Julian <laughs> Fellows, the guy who does Downton Abbey, wrote 
Gosford Park as well. And he's got a thing for upper class English people. And I think that Ryan Johnson does not particularly enjoy like Connecticut wasps. People period. Yeah. Yeah. Lately. Basically, yeah, fair, <laughs> but Connecticut Wasp in seems general. like he had a pretty good shot to take it like Every everybody in this movie. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. He went after white feminists. He went after alt right douchebags. He went after, like, he went after literally Linda, like, who is just another yeah. name for Karen. Like, yeah. do, you, do you guys know yeah. a baby named Linda? Because, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, no. Yeah, exactly. So, everybody was a target except for Marta, who, like, they never punched down on her, but she certainly was goofy and she was like in way over her head. But I like that little things about her cleverness got to shine through as the movie persisted and her eventual lack of trust of anybody in that movie eventually was like good to go. Yeah. So then we get to like the final reveal, which I think is like the when you talk about a murder mystery, there's always the Holmesian Poirot reveal. Where they the detective yeah. says lays out the plot and lays out the how the mystery actually unfolded and has solved pieces it all pieces together pieces all together fills the donut hole in yeah. this case yes oh man that, that <laughs> and then the donut hole within oh, the donut yeah, that hole. speech just broke me I was fucking dying by the time he got yeah. to that I was like what is happening. What is going on with my James Bond? I love all of this. Yeah. This is insane. This is craziness, like complete and utter insanity. But like, I am on board yeah. here. I like, I like it when they're so overly elaborate. But like Tim said, we didn't have to go through any of the bullshit of like going through fake memories or anything like that. All of the pieces were there. Like everything that yeah. you needed could have been pieced together. Yeah. I did keep thinking throughout the movie that, like, the dog's barking was the only piece that hadn't fit yeah. into anything. Yet. And with books, you get to, like, not read the final chapter and see if you can piece it together. But with a temporarily locked medium like film, you kind of have, you don't get to say, like, hold on, wait a minute, I want to figure it out for myself. You just have to, like, be on for the ride. And I think that Daniel Craig, yeah. Daniel Craig's uh, accent really was a roller coaster, but I was, it was a roller coaster I willingly would ride for multiple movies because I. Wait, you're saying you would willingly ride Daniel for Craig? For multiple films. We know that's factually <laughs> fucking correct. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, for, multiple for multiple films. films. Yeah. <laughs> but I loved this reveal because, like, not all, you ha- really have to be sold on the, the charm of the detective when this stuff happens. Yeah. And I was sold on Daniel Craig as Kentucky Fried, CSI, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I yeah CSI KFC whatever they called it. What did you guys think of yeah. the uh, the final reveal as Chris Evans was the the murderer all along? I mean, I mean, I, I hadn't got there particularly. I, I'd had my suspicions, but it's just it's it seemed a little on the nose for me to be like, hey, it's the guy that you were supposed to think it was at the Ooh. start. Yeah, that was my only like drawback with this, where I was like, oh, they. I think if they'd done like the multiple people had been the killer kind of thing, and like it was a big like kerfuffle. So that everybody was kind of confused. That would have been, I don't know. Because it just felt too obvious to me. Like, I was watching it, and I'm like, he's so clearly the villain of the piece. And even when they're, like, we're making you sympathize with him, or at least, like, we're giving you that shadow of the mm-hmm. doubt that he may be when she, he's trying to manipulate yeah. her. I was like, I know they're just using the fact that I love him, yeah. like, without question, because he was capped for a decade. Yeah to make sure that I buy into this. You know and I, mean? I think for me, I, uh, I fucked it for myself in part because I can't, I did what I almost always try to avoid doing and that I came up with my own pet theory in my head. And then when that is disproven, uh, you're disappointed, you know, and, and that's uh, fucked. Like 
yeah. fucking Rise of Skywalker coming up this week, and there's so many angry nerds that are fucking pissed off that their pet theories didn't come true in Last Jedi. There's so many fucking angry nerds that are pissed off that their pet theories didn't come true in Game of Thrones Season 8. And that's what I did to myself in this fucking movie. And I just proved to myself why I try not to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah and I would suggest that this is the kind of movie that like in the Blu-ray extras, there's going to be multiple endings that like have different possibilities. But I think that they picked a really satisfying possibility because like the there's two ways you can tend to go about finishing a murder mystery and you can go with like, or maybe three, I guess, like a big twist that you never saw coming that like a satisfying thematic ending, which is what we got here. And like a real big surprise, but that you are actually satisfied with. I was surprised kind of, it had to be him by the end of mm-hmm. it. So I was like, okay, this feels satisfying to me. And thematically, like that idea that we trust someone who is so gosh, darn handsome. So gosh, darn beautiful, <laughs> just intrinsically because of, the way that they look was a pretty interesting theme to run on. So like they could have gone in multiple directions, but I think for what the message of the movie was supposed to be and how she ended up outsmarting everyone, or they all ended up outsmarting Chris Evans in the end because just because she was so kind and he was just, he didn't know what kindness was, was the like ultimate theme of the film was pretty satisfying to me as a watcher but like yeah i can see how people when you have your own pet theories definitely like either you're like oh i'm impressed that they went that way and i'm still satisfied or it's oh i have that pet theory and i i thought that would have been the most satisfying ending and so i'm just and maybe for me it was even that i my theory was partially correct because he was like harlan did end up having involvement in the cover-up right like, and so he, he orchestrated his own death and that he cut his own throat, but he, he hadn't premeditated it. Yeah, you know. for sure. Yeah. All in all, I think that it was a pretty satisfying conclusion. Watching Anna de Armas throw up all <laughs> of his Evans good. and then him like trying to tell, well, it was, it was yeah. pretty hilarious. It was really funny. Just watching him and his white cable knit sweater get completely drenched. When Mark pointed out to me, it's like they were hiding his Captain America body. I'm like, mm, they like even a cable knit yeah. sweater could not we failed. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, that chiseled jaw just gives it away. Yeah, it sure does. <laughs> well, his traps are like six yeah. inches yeah. tall. You know what I mean? Like he's still freaking ripped all the time. Like it's kind of hard to miss when your neck is like <laughs> you have Brock yeah. Lesnar neck because you just came off the set of Endgame yeah. five seconds before you showed up on this yeah. movie. So yeah, pretty much. But yeah. So final thoughts, I guess, since we're uh, at the about 90 minute mark here. What did you guys think? Give a rating and tell us what your final thoughts were. I'll start with uh, Tim this time. Tim, final thoughts. Get Pull, pull that bandaid off. Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it was well made. I'm probably going to give it like a seven out of 10. And most of that is it ended up being a relatively by the numbers whodunit, which just isn't really my thing. Like it was it was well made. It was pretty well acted, well shot, well produced, well edited. Editing in particular is super fucking important for a mystery. And yeah, it had that. And there were some shots like Daniel Craig sitting in the chair with that circle of knives behind him. Like it was on, again, it was on the nose shot, but it looked fucking beautiful. What I liked about that shot though, was that they did, they had that whole scene where they're doing the interrogation. And if you were watching it, they never lined them up in the center of it. Like nobody ever actually gets lined up in it the whole time. They never shoot it straight because they're, yeah, they're telling you you're not 
lined up yeah. on the story yet. Right? Well, because so. and when they and when they do put him in the chair, that's when he's filling his donut hole and he's filling the hole in the circle of rings. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he's filling his yeah. donut hole in the story and everything oh, yeah. um but Fill that donut hole oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh. but yeah i mean mo- right. like like i said most of my issues with knives out are not necessarily with this movie in particular but it's instead with the conceits of mystery movies as a genre i mean it's right down with there with fucking rom-coms which paul also made us fucking do an episode on <laughs> as like probably my yeah. least favorite genres you know that that get me the least excited <laughs> so yeah i just characters are fucking unlikable i'd have trouble sympathizing with them it's just a bunch of entitled rich white fucks like arguing over money that is not rightfully there and and it's just it's just too over the top for me and that's from a guy that's fucking commonly watches comic book and sci-fi shit (laughs) and like and fantasy shit and stuff like that this is from our dc like fanboy you know what i mean yeah exactly watches those cw shows (laughs) Yeah. To this day. I'll own that, that that fucking contradiction. One last thing. There's a massive, for me, plot hole. Should Fran not have been fucking dead? If Ransom gave her the morphine OD at, like, at 8 a.m.? No, but she didn't die in the... Oh. They, they, they still went to the hospital, right? Because according to Marta and Harlan, a morphine OD should kill you in like 15 minutes. Yeah. Ransom gives her a fucking OD of morphine at 8 a.m. when the meeting is originally set. Marta shows up two fucking hours later, at which time Fran should be fucking stone cold dead. They imply that she's a user, though, which means she would have a tolerance for morphine mm. or like an opiate. I think. Did they not make a suggestion? That she's yeah, a she has a stash, pretty, right? Yeah. And like, she right, about yeah. Um, so I, I'm assuming they're implying that she also uses hard drugs because like having a fucking pot stash and having a fucking stash of heroin or whatever yeah. is very two very, very different things. Yeah, but well, I remember okay. them insinuating that she was a like hard drug user at one point. So maybe, maybe that is the case. And it just they needed to spell that out a little bit better in terms of why she didn't die. Mm, but, yeah. 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 But that's fair. So, yeah, seven out of ten. Just not my fucking genre. Yeah. But well made for what it is. <laughs> Mark, how about you? Again, murder mysteries as like a whole, like this kind of murder mystery is not my kind of murder mystery. So this is even more like of a niche kind of thing than Tim's thing is. These kinds of murder mysteries usually don't work for me. This movie worked for me 100% because like I just, I love the cast and it was really well made. And I was kind of just enjoying, sometimes a little bit of ham works real well for me. I'm a Shatner fan. So like somebody (laughs) hamming it up and like chewing a little bit of scenery. I'm like, I can enjoy it in moderation. And I think I was just like, after 13 fucking hours of Titans, I was just so ready to go sit and watch somebody that I wasn't expecting, like Daniel Craig, to put on this like loopy fucking do performance. I was like, I'm on board. Like, I'm just 100% on board. Plus, I get to watch Anna Darmus. And I know she was crying a lot, but she's still fucking beautiful all the time. <laughs> all the time. Crying or no, I don't know. She's beautiful. So, and then everybody's like, I hate Don Johnson. And I was just like totally amused by his fucking like when he hands her the plate, mm-hmm. like, and I know that's an ad lib or whatever, but like when he hands her the plate, I was like, oh man, what a piece of shit. Mm-hmm. And you're supposed to think that, but it's still great. Yeah. Like yeah. I just had a lot of fun watching this, and like him calling back the fucking deer masturbation joke afterwards, like because he says something about like the Nazi boy who masturbates the deers, and I was like, fuck, <laughs> I love it. Yeah. I am on board. I love all of this. Yeah. So. There you go. So out of 10, did you say yours? Uh, we'll go like 8.5. 8.5. 
All right. Yeah. I think it's no surprise that I was going to enjoy this movie because I recommended it after I had seen the film. I was yeah, really... Paul saw it and then forced us to watch <laughs> yeah. it. Like, it, yeah. we didn't have a lot of choice. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, because it had genre ties, I thought it was like a fair, like, first of all, murder mystery, but also had Cap and James Bond in it. So it was like, uh, that being said. And it's Armas. And it, it was just in Blade, Blade Runner. Blade Runner. Yeah. Blade yeah, 2049. Yeah. 2049. Also, Jamie, and Jamie Lee Curtis, Curtis is, like is the fucking original Scream Girl. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So. And Don Johnson has been a bunch of shit uh, you know like, he's in I, fucking watchman he's in watchman <laughs> that's true i was gonna say he's in watchman michael shannon was in man of steel yeah. michael shannon was actually really good in this yeah. we didn't really yeah. talk about yeah him. he was excellent creepy as fuck like he's very yeah. good yeah uh, christopher Plummer. I didn't, and I, I didn't i didn't talk about tony collette and how much i enjoyed her doing her goop thing that was very I funny christopher Plummer, yes yeah. yeah christopher Plummer was so fucking charming i watched christopher Plummer do everything yeah yeah, yeah. like just absolutely yeah recite fucking shakespeare and klingon makeup hey man ham it up yeah ham it up so I was yeah on this is exactly why i love this movie so much is that like all of the cast for the family members got just enough screen time to establish who they were and get their lines in and get their moments so we're like oh they all turned in really great performances and then focusing on any day armis who's le- less known but like pulled out such a great performance throughout the film was just and just the caper of it. I was on board for the ride from the very beginning. Once they had established the puzzle, I was like having, a, I was just having a blast. The only thing is around the time when after Chris Evans kind of joins Marta in on the caper to kind of cover his tracks, it felt a little bit long. Yeah, it yeah. got a little pacing, got a little fucky there. Yeah, I so I, I, I remember checking. That was the only time I checked my phone for the time to see how much Mm. time was left in the movie. But otherwise, once that started unraveling, I was in it again. So for that moment that I got pulled out, I'm going to give it like a nine, 9.5, but I, this is so my thing. So if you like murder mysteries, this is, and like ensemble pieces, it's just so my crack. It's so my crack. So yeah, this is like, as soon as like Paul mentioned going to see Knives Out, I was like, "Oh God, this is such a fucking bad yeah. movie." Like, very, <laughs> very, very, yeah, movie of all yeah. Time. You, you don't get another one of these for a while, Paul. This is like your quota for the next like six months. Fine, <laughs> fine. Uh, Oscar season's over anyway, so whatever. <laughs> just so we're clear, Tim, I just want you to know this is Paul. He will still find a way <laughs> to do this kind of shit to us. You know, like there there is another way he'll get us somehow. I'll get so. I'll get you next time. <laughs> like fucking what's it? moriarty yeah. yeah yeah all right so with that said we are done with our meat so let our donut hole whatever you want to call it the donut <laughs> hole is filled so let's uh, move on to our uh, geek cred where we recommend something geeky for our listeners so uh mark recommend us something geeky not titan like <laughs> anything but Don't fucking watch Anything watch anything but Titans. I'm like like I said, I'm just starting Watchmen right now, so that's kind of where I'm at. I've caught up to Mandalorian, so if you're not watching that, you're crazy. Yeah, I've been having a really good time with that show too. Which, again, this is a Star Wars show that I'm really into. So like, whoever's checking for the apocalypse should fucking check again. Just putting that up there. <laughs> yeah, I would honestly Mandalorian or Watchmen would basically be where I am because I'm assuming we're going to be reviewing both of those mm-hmm. very shortly anyway. So yeah, we'll get. I would get into both of those. Mm-hmm. So, and then go see the fucking Star Wars movie because Star Wars comes out like what? We definitely need it? to tell people that. Oh. <laughs> we weren't going to do that anyways. <laughs> 
the problem is like I don't know when that comes out. Like I actually don't really know what the actual next Thursday. Is. Is it the 19th? Yeah, is it? yeah. So yeah, nineteenth is, is like you know the that cool. evening. I'm seeing yeah. it on Saturday. Tim, what's your uh, what's your geek cred? My geek cred for this week is kind of weird, but a couple weeks ago, Stephen Colbert did a bunch of uh, New Zealand segments where he so he went over to New Zealand. He did like a five night thing where he did like a segment every night. Like, and the last one was he brought in like Peter Jackson and had this like whole shtick where he was trying to make a new middle earth movie featuring his character from the Hobbit, the second Hobbit movie. Uh, It was just like a little cameo for like five seconds. And then, but it ended up being, it was like Aragorn's brother, Daryl Gorn and (laughs) Peter Jackson was in on the whole thing. He brought Peter Jackson in as like his Sam, like his second and everything. And it was fucking hilarious. So took the piss right out of those movies and in a very fun way. So watch all of those, but especially watch that, uh, that Daryl Gorn bit. Yeah. All right. And my geek of the week is uh, they released some new super Nintendo games on switch online. And Kirby Superstar was one of them. Didn't you see yeah. this last week? Did I? I feel like you said this last no. week. Yeah. No, you did say that you were playing it. I, I don't know that yeah. it was your geek cred. Oh, it wasn't my geek right. cred. Yeah. Go play it, though. It's really well-made side-scroller. Like, just go play it. It's so much fun. And it's not, unfortunately, not the Superstar Ultra that was released for 3DS, which had, like, a few extra a few extra features and mm. gameplay options. But it's, like, it's solid. And any updates where you can, like, play first party or second party Nintendo games is good for me. That's my geek cred. So with that said, thanks everyone for listening. If you haven't already, please subscribe, which you can do via whichever podcasting app you prefer. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. And we'd love to hear what you thought about Knives Out. So if you've seen it, let us know and uh, tell us what you thought about it. Or anything else that we talked about on this episode, whether it be news, geek cred, or whatever it was, talk to us. Let us know get in contact. We'd love to hear from you. Go on facebook.com slash dance robot dance podcast on Twitter at DRD underscore podcast or email us at dance robot dance podcast at gmail.com. So let's get this show on the road. Let's close this donut hole. <laughs> Say good night, Mark. Good night. I, what the fuck's happening? <laughs> no, I don't know. And good night, Tim. <sighs> good night, folks. And I'm Paul. Thanks for listening. Good night, everybody. Knives out. Beaks bloody. <laughs> <laughs> that was my that was my foghorn leghorn fucking <laughs> was th- say, that I'll was try, the point I'll of try. the joke Tim he was playing foghorn leghorn that's why it was so funny that's what means that's why it was so funny to me anyway Asher 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 yeah it was the I do declare that he does at one point that Rizwell, I was like holy shit he's just doing foghorn leghorn right. awesome.